Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast. This is episode 225 of the show. And our guest this week is no stranger. He is making their third visit to the show. I'm talking about the wild and wacky guy, Mr. Frank. Yes, Frank Edler is back. This week we're going to be discussing uh, some of the books that he's been working on ever since his last time on the show, uh, as well as some of his new ones that are getting ready to come up. Uh, One of the interesting things about that is how one of his, uh, one of his, la- well, actually, the book that he talked about last time, Cat Coin. Uh, we're talking about how that all led into one of his upcoming uh, books, Haunted Hamburger House, which is going to be sold as an NFT. And he goes into depth about that. We're also discussing whether or not he's ever considered using a pseudonym, writing quirks, and turning fears into writing inspiration. Uh, We also take a few moments to discuss a friend of the show that uh, I don't think I got to mention here a while back. Uh, Past episode, we had our friend of the show, Jay Wilburn. Uh, About a year ago, he was on the show, and we've talked about him before, but he passed away, sadly, uh, some about a month ago now. And uh, Frank was one of his his friends, and uh, we we discussed a little bit of that going into a little uh, memorandum about uh, Jay Wilburn, who was just just one of the sweetest guys you could ever ask for. But all that and so much more, it's going to be coming up here in just a few more minutes. So if you don't want to hear any of my own news or anything, you can skip ahead uh, about four or five minutes. Otherwise, I'm going to go ahead and start up a little bit of the uh, personal notes and news, starting with a heartfelt thank you to all of our veterans out here in uh, across America and uh, across the world, really. Uh, but uh, last week was Veterans Day here in America, and uh, the one that has the very special spot in my heart, of course, is my wife. She is my hero, uh, my idol, and the uh, that one veteran who I just absolutely adore. Uh, not to take anything away from anyone else, <laughs> But, uh, of course, obviously, she uh, she has that very special spot. So, But anyway, uh, as a veteran myself, I salute all of you veterans out there if you, if you catch this show. And uh, thank you so much for your service. Uh, so as you heard last time on episode 224 with G.A. Edwards, we talked about Hawthorne Creek, uh, which is now available. It's an anthology with 14 short stories of mysteries all taking place in the little town of Hawthorne Creek including yours truly. Yes, my little story, The Tourist Trap, is also one of those stories in there. And this past weekend, I had a really great get-together with uh, all of the authors. Actually, we all got to get together, 13 of us in person and one virtually. But we all got to get together and celebrate the the premiere of the book at the local library. And uh, it was a great turnout and a lot of fun. Even had a cake with the cover of the book on there. And that was a lot of fun. Uh, as promised last time, I also released the cover reveal of Bandit 2 out on social media. So that was put out there, and it's gotten a really great uh, reception. A lot of people really excited about the upcoming book, Bandit 2. And I'm having such a blast. I am into the final stages of uh, 
have another round of edits right now and uh, the plan is still I don't have a set date but the plan is still for uh, later in December I would love it if I can get it out for Christmas so that's what I'm shooting for and of course all of you out there listening you're gonna find out about that first by uh, following the show so make sure you are following the show on social media uh, you can just easily find the show sample chapter podcast on Facebook Twitter uh, Instagram uh, we do share every new episode each week and uh, we do a lot of throwbacks to past episodes you can also subscribe to the show on your favorite platform and uh, yeah we're up to 225 as of this week and uh, that's an awful lot of authors on there with fantastic stories that you can go back and check out uh, if you would like to reach out to the show you can do so via email at samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com and drop me a line I'd be uh, happy to uh, hear from you and uh, I have a whole lot of emails right now from from people <laughs> every week uh, but right now as, as I mentioned last time and in case this is the first time you're hearing this I, I am going to be slowing down a little bit for the end of this year making some plans for how next year will proceed but uh, I will be back again we do have another episode for sure coming up next week and then uh, probably another one or two in December, but that's going to be about it for the year. I'm going to slow it down, enjoy the holidays, and then we'll be back in January. Uh, with all that in mind, I think, uh, you know what, I think I'm going to go ahead and just call it there. we got a long episode, had a nice long chat with Frank, and a lot of laughs, and uh, really interesting stuff as he talks about everything that went into it. So without further ado, let's hop on over to the interview with Frank Edler. Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. Hey, I am back this week, and uh, I'm I'm so thrilled to have a return guest uh, with the show. Uh, somebody that goes way back to the show, to its early days, uh, back in 2018, we had this guest here talking about his book, Scatterbrain. Uh, after that, he joined us in March of 2020, right before COVID hit, with his release of Catcoin. And today... We are talking about quite the book. I'm going to wait and let him announce the title because uh, I'm going to mess it up, I know. But I am talking about the one and only Mr. Frank Edler joining me on the show. Mr. Frank, welcome back to the show, my friend. Thank you, Jason. It has been far too long, but I'm glad to make my triumphant return to the Sample Chapter podcast. <laughs> As unique as always, as as always, man. Oh my gosh, yes, it has definitely been way too long. It's like Twitter is just not enough to uh, catch up, and uh, I'm I'm so glad to be able to uh, get you on here and uh, just kind of chat for a little bit and see uh, see what's going on and let everybody know what you're up to. Sounds great. I can't wait to talk about it all. There's been quite a bit uh, since then. There has been. There has been. So, well, <clears throat> so yeah, going back. I mean, uh, you know, I was looking at. The books we've talked about before, you know, starting with Scatterbrain 2018, which I did read, loved it. Oh, my gosh, that cracked me up with the brain and his sneakers. And uh, he was working at the uh, blood bank, right? Ran by vampires. Well, he uh, he, he he went there. I forgot for, for what reason he went there. But he, <laughs> he did wind up in a blood bank for vampires. Yeah, that's, that's so funny. That That popped in my head the other day. And I was like, oh, that's such a great idea. I should write that. And then I went, wait a minute. 
I've heard that somewhere before. And then <laughs> making my notes for the show, that was like, oh, that's where it was. It was Frank. <laughs> <clears throat> where else would a vampire work? <laughs> it's so brilliant. So brilliant. Uh, going forward, we uh, we talked about Catcoin before, which is still in my TBR because uh, after that, I picked up Death in Toledo, which mm. I absolutely adored, man. Uh, let me see if I can remember the line that that really spoke to me. It was uh, the power of Bon Jovi <laughs> behest you or something. Or yeah, something. it compels you or something. Compels you, yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, that just I was I was in a uh, a snowplow pushing snow and listening to that audiobook, <laughs> and I I lost it, man. I that cracked me up. I had to stop what I was doing for a minute. <laughs> that was so funny <laughs> yeah i just you know and a, a lot of the credit for that goes to since you're talking about the audiobook that goes to the the narrator ron, ron gabaldon uh who did the other death book as well and uh you know as funny as that book is his performance of it even when i was listening to him you know put the recordings in he had me laughing at my own stuff because his delivery on stuff is <laughs> fantastic i couldn't have asked for a better narrator on that because he translated that work well Oh, fantastic. Well, since then, you've had a few other books. Uh, one of those, Uncomfortable Shorts. What is this about? Uh, Uncomfortable Shorts is a, it's my second short story collection. My first one was uh, titled Scared Silly. It was like my first work. Uh, so over the years since then, I've had a you know a bunch of, I'm always writing short stories here and there. So I had enough to start another collection. Um, so I put together some stuff and it is like, um, probably like my weirdest stuff like lately when i write short stories i really kind of go into experimental mode like not my usual stuff and really try weird stuff out mm -hmm. um so i had a lot of this just really absurd and over the top and kind of experimental styles um that i thought were neat and would work together as a as a collection for the feel of things and then uh it's like what do you call this stuff <laughs> uncomfortable shorts and <laughs> and there we go there we have it oh my gosh that's fantastic yeah and i can definitely relate to that i've been i i've never never before had dipped my toes into short stories until this past fall i got an invite and i wasn't going to do it and then last minute i thought you know what why not let me just see what i can do and I, I kind of looked over, they gave me the uh, itinerary of what all is involved and what the stories need to be around. And uh, something stood out to me and, and I was like, okay, let me see what I can do with this. And it was outside my wheelhouse, but yet it was so much fun. I had so mm -hmm. much fun. It had to be under 5,000 words. And uh, yeah, it, it I, I loved it. It was great. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm going to have to look at some more short stories. That That was a lot of fun. And so I can totally see you know, where you, you know, you get that experimentation from and uh, doing something out of the norm. Yeah. I, that's like sort of becoming like my, my training ground or my practice ground. And I, I've seen now do, doing that with short stories over time because, you know, as I was first becoming a, a published writer, like that's where I started cutting my teeth, writing short stories for anthologies or uh, things of that nature. And then, you know, when it was time to step up to the, the novellas and the, the novels, uh, you know, I left that stuff behind and I got comfortable with the style. Um, it's like I got all this stuff down. But then, you know, it became like 
a thing like oh, i still want to write stories there's short stories because there's something you know it's a very different animal you know for people that don't write the short story is may seem easy but it's actually sometimes it's harder to keep to oh yeah nice and shorter and tell a story in that compact of time mm-hmm. um so that's where i just started um just getting loosey-goosey with style and narrative and i'm like oh this has been fun and i've started now seeing that those styles bleed a little bit now into my newer longer form work so yeah i'm just enjoying i do enjoy being playful put it that way and yeah in story form yeah you know and prior to writing my short story i had already been uh, i think learning to be even more critical about my sentence structure and uh you know, getting to the point a little faster you know i don't mm-hmm. I, i've never been like very flowery when it comes to my writing anyway yeah. but uh i've been figuring out like okay words that need to be cut and stuff and so my experience with the short story just kind of emphasized that even more it's like yeah you don't have the time like you do in a novel where you can expand on something and grow with it and see where this goes you've got a limited amount of time to tell this story and like every word counts yeah yeah it's um it, it's it's a fun way to do it and I don't know. I think the the satisfaction of of did that work like pays off better because like I think when you write a short story, you know, when you get to the end of it, like whether it's good or not. It's not like, you know, when you write a long book, you just kind of feel terrible about the whole thing. And you have to, <laughs> you have to take some time and rework it and everything. And I think with a short story, like because it's just so short and punchy, you just you get to the end and be like, yeah, that worked. Or it was like, eh, that'll never see the light of day. But, <laughs> you know, at the time invested, too, and um, is a little bit shorter. So you can't afford to be experimental and sort of maybe not care that you know it's it's not gonna ever see the light of day or or find some eyes but at least you know you you're still like learning for yourself and and playing around and that's good enough exactly exactly so uh (laughs) i i i want to hear about uh exploding bears exploding bears (laughs) um so Last year, um, I was invited to our friend Armand Rosamilia's house. He wanted to do a a big writing. Well, I shouldn't say big, but he wanted to do a writing retreat, get a lot of uh, his author friends, as many as he could cram into his house for an extended weekend and just everybody huddle up and uh, write all day long. And then at night, you know, we'd have dinner and just kind of powwow and everything. And of course, I definitely wanted to join him and I needed like a project to work on. Um, mm-hmm. And it had been the first time that I would in a long time that I had essentially four days to write just eight hours plus a day and just bang something out. It's almost like a wow. NaNoWriMo, like yeah. short weekend. Um, and I needed something to do that. And at the same time, there was this, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about this because some of my other work is fed into this, but there's this, platform now a sort of alternative shall we say to um buying books from amazon and it's called godless.com it's run by a gentleman named drew stepic who he just wanted alternatives uh alternative ways to get people specifically like the extreme horror but like any kind of horror or weird stuff or avant-garde stuff stuff that maybe amazon might tend to take down because there's issues with content or any number of things, you know, it was kind of like fighting the man on the, on that point. And also he wanted to be able to offer like really short stories. He, he, he was, was frustrated with like the 99 cent bottom price point for Amazon. He wanted to sell mm-hmm. stories for like 
25 cents or 50 cents. Um, so he launched this, his own platform called Godless um, and, and is doing just that. He's 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 going to give books that, you know, somebody has issues with content because something in the algorithm kicks the book out and your books off of Amazon or the covers a little too racy or it's just these little short stories that, you know, don't fit anywhere, but you kind of want to share them with the world and you can get you know, a couple pennies for it. Um, mm-hmm. The great thing is for the authors, he gives you 90% of the royalties on everything you sell. Um, oh, wow. Which is, it's, it's really great. And like the math of it all, like where you would sell something for 99 cents on Amazon, you only wind up getting like 30 cents, 35 cents of yeah. the royalty on that. You can go on Godless and sell something for like 60 or 70 cents and still wind up with 50. So you get more money for like cheaper <laughs> stuff. So it's just been a really cool platform um but it was founded or, or you know the 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 uh, let's say the demographic there tends to be into really like extreme kind of over the top gory crazy raunchy horror dark fiction bizarro type of stuff so i wanted to write something <laughs> that just that crazy and so my <laughs> idea and this is also you know coming out of the 2020 pandemic we were all locked down we were all watching netflix and we all saw tiger <laughs> king right right which is a nutty story in and of itself i sat there going i couldn't you, you can't make this I, I even i couldn't make something this nutty up this is every episode is like even crazier than you think it was crazy already um <laughs> so that was my challenge to myself when i went down to armand's house is i'm gonna go down there I'm going to write something way over the top for this, this godless crowd and this new platform that seems pretty cool. And I want to tell a story that is crazier than the tiger King story. And so I came up with this idea of a guy who's running his own sort of theme park, his own little like animal park, like, like Joe exotic, except he has people in and he blows up bears for entertainment and oh my gosh so exploding bears is legitimately the story of a guy who runs a park uh where he blows up bears for the entertainment of others and it is just so um to <laughs> i didn't know how this was going to be received because you know people there are people very sensitive about animal cruelty and my intention was not to ruffle their feathers but to be so ridiculous about it that you would you had no choice to laugh because there's no it's just preposterous right and <laughs> you are like not really my cup of tea but he goes i can't really get mad because it was it was just insane what you did there um so i've sort of succeeded in in circumnavigating the anger of the animal rights people so far anyway uh i just tell and just it and and it doesn't even i can't even do justice to the insanity that's in the book without getting too spoilery but I, I blow up every kind of bear I could think of, and I'll leave it at that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I remember hearing little bits and pieces, uh, no pun intended, uh, <laughs> about the uh, about the book over the past uh, year or so. And I remember uh, Armand talking about his uh, Mondo Con <clears throat> and you being there and getting that started. And, oh, my gosh, it's been fun to uh, follow that story and hearing little bits and you know of it along the way but uh oh my gosh yeah it's the, i think it's the first time that i've really heard more about what's going on what's actually what's in the book <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah often because it was i mean just writing it just the the ability to sit there for eight hours and just be that into the story and and you know for hours 
and just everything was just rolling like and it was just as a fun story i think that helped you know get me into this zone like you really got into a zone there after a couple of hours and i did talk about some experimental stuff oh my god there's one part i'll just try not to be too spoiled there's one part where there's some characters in the book basically find some magic mushrooms and start tripping and the whole chapter is like they're they're tripping out so bad that like space bar like space between words doesn't exist anymore and there's like pages of legit prose but without spaces <laughs> sort of like the challenge <laughs> to the reader if you really want to pick through that and and read it all but it was just like i just felt so in the zone and i was sitting there like giggling writing this stuff and trying like i almost felt high trying not to hit the space bar because if you're like if you type like <laughs> typing it's like actually hard not to hit the space bar and be conscious of that and it was um it was fun all i can say it was fun and that was definitely one example where like getting experimental bled into my longer works oh my gosh that and yeah it sounds like you hit the zone there do you do you know uh how many how many words a day were you writing do you know all told over the three and a half, four days, whatever we were there. Um, well, I guess it was three days of actual writing. I was there from, I got there like Thursday afternoon. I left on Monday morning. So we had Friday, Saturday and Sunday writing. I wrote close to 17,000 words. I was doing over 5,000 wow. words a day. Um, and I went in thinking like 3,000 words, you know, because I don't usually have those long sprints. I'm writing for half hour to an hour at best per day i'm you know spitting out maybe yeah. 500 a thousand words in a mm -hmm. sitting so i'm like ah, i don't know i can't you know imagine um but i hit 3000 the first day i'm like that was too easy and you know end up at like 5200 5500 on the first day i'm like i'm gonna have to uh up my expectations here because when i do have the time and ability to sit and just write i i can i'm impressed myself you know i kind of spit out <laughs> way more than i thought i was capable of um, I wish I could have that much of time for myself to write. I mean, I, I think about, it, I'm like, if I could write full time, <laughs> the amount of stuff uh, I could fit out with that yeah. kind of output would be insane. I'd have Armand Rosamilia numbers. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's the dream. Like right now I'm, I'm just hoping mm -hmm. to, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I want to reach the point where I can work at least <laughs> my, my current short-term goal is, uh, to write enough to make enough money that i can work at least one less day a week mm. <laughs> and then go and then maybe the next year cut That's off another day and put that towards writing and, and just kind of keep going from there until i can retire myself and stay home and, uh, and then my and then same thing with my wife and go from there yeah i would love to i think my only out at this point i mean stranger things have happened but i think i gotta hit that that two billion dollar lottery in order to <laughs> get myself under unfortunately my my full-time job pays really well so matching that with writing would would take quite a bit but um i mean if it can never get going to that point you know and take a loss and, and just be home doing it you know i i wouldn't ever hesitate at the at the chance to do it um if it were available for that but you know i, I really do just enjoy uh, writing at the pace i do i put out about two books a year some short stories and stuff here and there so i'm very comfortable with the amount of stuff i do get out and yeah well you know and, and that's a decent pace right now you know two books a year is pretty good i mean that's if i can get my next one out here in december like i'm hoping to then i'll 
just squeak into that if I include the short story. But yeah, uh, that's how I, that's how I usually <laughs> get it in. Just squeak in. Hey, it's the same number at the uh, you know one in January, one in December. It's the same year. There you go. There you go. Um, so speaking of experimental, you have another one right now. The haunted haunted hamburger is that what it is? Haunted hamburger house. Yeah, hamburger um, house. Yeah, that one's. Uh, I always say it's a unique release. Um, and this kind of story goes back a little bit to uh, it finds its origins in the, the book Cat Coin, which I was last on talking about, um, which released right before the pandemic and all the lockdown. And it mm-hmm. came out of the gates pretty good. But then when lockdown hit, um, it sort of tanked and, you know, it was what it was. And, um, you know, a departure for me and style and, and genre, you know, I, I kind of say it's more like an action adventure, a, a cyber thriller type of story. Um, so it didn't get the attention previous books had. And I just kind of like, all right, you know, it's locked down. Let's move forward, write more stuff. And, you know, it was just my one thing. I'm not going to take it down or anything like that. I'm happy with it. I'm proud of it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and cryptocurrency has been a interest, a, a passion, a hobby of mine. And that's why I wrote it. So. Uh, fast forward to a year later as we're coming out of lockdown and everything and this is um well really it, it all happened um earlier this year 2022 out of the blue one day you know you check i check in my my sales numbers here and there and i happened to check in once and i seen i had a, an ebook sale in i think it was the german market or something like that i'm like that is weird right you know i've had some british stuff and like that but i've never had a german sale i was that is weird a couple days later i have a gentleman uh send me a message on on twitter i think it was and he's he's you're the author of this cat going book i said yeah that's that's me (laughs) he's asking me about nobody cares about cat going he goes oh well you're your, your book came true and there's a real cat coin now. And we're all excited about this. And we're all talking about your book now. I'm like, what the heck is going on? So anyway, it turns out in 2021, this um, group of people or, or somebody created, you know, like Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Doge, all this. If, if you follow it at all, yeah. a million different coins nowadays. Right. And, and Doge is one of them and Bitcoin, Ethereum, all that stuff. Well, somebody created Catcoin in 2021, <laughs> and it and it had a. I guess it was doing pretty good, all things considered. And we won't talk about crypto right now because it's in the toilet. But at one point, this Catcoin uh, was was created, put on the market, and it was doing really well. And there's this whole online global community. There's people from India. There's people from Germany, Romania, the U.S., Canada, everywhere, all over Asia some South America, I mean, everywhere. And they're all on these like discord servers talking about it. And it, it's, it's a whole thing anyway. So they came to me, they're like, you, they were <laughs> had screen capture because it was nuts. They were like, <laughs> how did you know? How did you, I'm like, I didn't know. I just wanted to write a book about, you know, Bitcoin. And <laughs> just for sake of argument, I said, it's cats. Right. And they were going berserk. Like I was the second coming of God. And they're like, did you make this? And I'm like, no, I'm not the creator of it. Cause supposedly the creator of cat coin is some, you know, mythical figure. Now nobody knows who he really is or some junk like that. I don't know what's going on with that, wow. um, but they just like took me in and embraced me and, and all over this book. And I'm like, <laughs> like, I just wrote a book. This is insane. 
um <laughs> to the tune of later now i own my own i own cat coin now as far as cryptocurrency and i'm a part of this quote-unquote community um they're begging me to write a cat coin too and all that um, oh my gosh which i don't know i will or will not do but it's it's just been crazy um but that sort of leads down into this um as i'm i'm writing new stuff it, it become my intention last year to to start writing stories that i could sell to indie publishers because i've been very self-published i've been almost all self-published sort of like anthologies and stuff uh until now and though i've been doing well i feel like i've hit a wall gaining new readership and and you know i feel like the next move is to start working with some indie publishers tap into their readership and mm -hmm. grow my my own brand you know further from there so i started <laughs> trying to write stuff that was um a little more less crazy than what's you know you're used to from me um so one of the things i wrote was haunted hamburger house um and as this is done, it's polished up, I'm ready to start shopping it. There's a, a publisher called DNT Publishing who started a line of NFT books. Now, I don't, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll just be like real simple about this because it's a whole thing. NFT is part of the crypto currency market. It's like a, a digital token or it's really a digital contract. Um, okay. Yeah. If anybody's familiar with it, they kind of associate NFTs with like, pictures or artwork uh the the board apes is like a very popular one but they always think of nfts in like the form of which and some people scoff at it they're like how can i own a gif i can just right click on that and share it to yes you can share it left and right but contractually there's a legal contract uh that the person own has ownership of that image just like when you're, you know, you can download pictures and put them on your, your blog or whatever. It doesn't mean you own those pictures and you may own people royalties. Very similar with NFTs. Now, that being said, um, there are people now that are attaching to these NFTs um, digital books, like an ebook essentially is, is all it is. So you're, you're going into these NFT like marketplaces like you would in Amazon. Uh, you have to use cryptocurrency to buy these NFTs that sort of uh one of the hurdles of, of getting people on board with this stuff but the the thing is you you go in you use your your cryptocurrency you buy an nft and you now own this book and and you truly own this is a part I, I i hammer home you know you're gonna get you're gonna own the rights to the photograph of the cover um in the case of haunted hamburger house is a really neat like motion a gif animated sort of gif and it was like a mini movie just a 15 second mini movie that like is a scene out of the book it's really awesome mm -hmm. but when you buy that you then get access to the uh ebook pdf epub whatever uh file you want and you also get the audiobook which has already been done and is part of purchasing this nft you get the audiobook files as well so you get this whole ebook experience all wrapped into one whether you want to read it listen to it you get a cool piece of artwork with it um and also i think people sort of think of nfts as a one-of-a-kind thing which it can be but doesn't necessarily have to be and in the case of these nft books there's something on the order of i don't know a thousand copies essentially uh, available i think that can be upped if it sells well you know it's just the thing that gives it value 
Yeah. So, yeah. and as opposed to, I don't know whether people realize or not, when you buy an ebook uh, off of Amazon or, or Nook or Kobo, wherever you buy, it, you're not truly purchasing ownership of the book. You're really just sort of buying the license to access the files off of Amazon servers and Amazon or whoever it is off that platform can take that book down at any time. They can close up shop. And then all these books you've quote unquote purchased can be gone. Um, and that's yeah, not yeah. the case with NFTs. When you buy an NFT book, you truly own it for the life of the world. You know, it's, it's actually yours. Um, there is a, it, these NFTs have, like I said, a contract associated with them. It's, it's a legally binding contract. Um, and, and you, you, ownership is provable through the, the blockchain. Again, this is a lot of technical stuff, but um, that's the thing I try to hammer home is, is it's honest to goodness ownership of it. Um, in the case of my publisher, DNT, they're attaching an audio book with it and the other stuff, the, you know, the different kinds of files and stuff. So it's, it's true ownership. I know I'm really on the ground floor of this stuff. You know, there's a lot of hurdles getting people on board with crypto and everything, but I, I, I enjoy the space. I believe in the future of it. And so when they, came and asked me because they're like you wrote that cat coin book like you're into that stuff right and i'm like yeah like, i i want your haunted hamburger house book but how would you feel about doing it this way um and i had to give it thought because i'm like you know this is a really small market at the moment so i don't know how many people are really going to be able to see my book but you know they they hung the carrot of it's going to be an available as an nft for one year exclusively and then in one year's time we will release it traditionally through Amazon paperback and all that. Um, yeah. So then it kind of became a no brainer for me there. Like as long as it gets out the light of day that way too, uh, then I'm fine with it. And, and I'll be definitely into being a part of this, uh, you know, experiment, shall we say, and, yeah. and hoping that it, it is a future there's, you know, the buy-in for it's tough. And I think there's a lot of work that has to still go into it to get the public at large into it. Um, but like I said, I do believe in it and um, I'm willing to take a stab at it. So the Haunted Hamburger House is out there for anybody who's into <laughs> NFTs. And um, and if not, well, just wait until next uh, October, I believe it is. And it'll be available uh, through normal channels. Yeah. I mean, you never know. I mean, <clears throat> who knew? Gosh, was it 10 years ago now? 10, 11 years ago when... Uh, you know, people were first putting up their books on Kindle mm -hmm. that that was going to take off like it did around that time where all of a sudden it's like, if you wrote anything and put it on there, it was suddenly gold. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, this could be the next gold rush. You never know. Yeah. And, and think of the really earliest days of eBooks where you had to almost have like a, a mini laptop and you had to have like actual floppy disk to save your books on, or even yeah. your, your purchasing floppy disk, which was the book. That's like a big buy-in for people. I never would have got in on it at that point. Yeah. Um, but then came the day when technology was adapted, made more sense. And, and now, you know, all of a sudden you don't need any sort of hardware. All you need is this device. And it was even before the smartphone, you know, you had the, the e-readers, but as long as you had some wireless, you could get your, your books like downloaded instantly. I know one of the first things I did when I got my, my nook was to while I was driving and, and stopped at a red light and I bought a book and before that light turned green, it was on my e-reader. I could have started reading it right there to me. That was like incredible. That's the wave. This is 
the wave of the future now i can't <laughs> I, I i just bought a book at a red light and i can't i couldn't do that before that was to me like a quantum leap so yeah i know at the moment it's not the easiest thing to do or the most attractive way to, to buy a book it's really for at the moment even marketing it i can't market it anything to like a, people who read i gotta market it to people who are into crypto and a lot of them aren't into reading so it's an odd thing at the moment but again i wouldn't do it if i didn't believe in the future of it oh man that's i mean that's pretty cool you know uh, to be perfectly honest that's pretty cool you're you're looking at all avenues and uh different venues and uh you know, you got to you got to experiment to see what you can uh, what you can find and you never know what's going to hit. So uh, yeah, all the best to you, man. I, I hope it uh, works out. It sounds yeah. pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the future of it. Definitely. <laughs> well, so uh, with, with all the like crazy stuff that you write, I mean, have you ever thought about writing under a pseudonym or do you just kind of look forward to like, no, nah, everything's under Frank Edler? Um, the idea occurs to me. But I don't know. I, I don't think I can write any crazier than I all already do. Mm-hmm. And I'm not necessarily embarrassed or worried about like I'm not like this over the top erotica, you know, S&M sex like books. There's nothing like that. They're just sort of like really absurd, quirky books, I should say. Yeah, it's probably the best way to to put my stuff, you know, even calling my books horror sometimes is I don't want to say a stretch, but it's like not the core of what it is they're more comedy than they are dark horror or or anything like that so i'm never afraid of putting my name on the book for fear of you know whatever in in my personal life coming out that's never bothered me it's never been an issue Mm -hmm. um so yeah unless i was really to do something vastly different i i wouldn't even give it a second thought well, that's good though. I mean, I, and I, I can appreciate that. I mean, it's, I, I had told my wife a while back, I thought, you know, I, I was getting kind of desperate there for a little bit. And I thought, I don't know, maybe I should dip my toes into romance and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll use a pseudonym and uh, see what I can do. And she was like, could you write romance? I was like, I don't know, <laughs> probably not, honestly. And she was like, well, then why are you worried about it? yeah Yeah, i know you're right yeah that would be one of those i mean the the money they make you know it it would be very attractive and um the one the one name i i had sort of given a a slight bit of consideration to to publishing under was my podcasting pseudonym which is simply mr frank but Mm. um with my podcast um going to conventions and stuff like people were just addressing me as mr frank and like on the regular and to the point where it's like, am I missing the boat by not branding my books with the Mr. Frank as opposed to just Frank Edler? Um, in the end, I'm glad I didn't because the podcast is done now. Um, but still, I still get people calling me Mr. Frank all the time. But I think even just like that would be a little too quirky to like mm. keep going with, even though like it's how a lot of people know. Like if you were to hang out at a convention with me you'd probably find that like 75 percent of the people walk up to me like hey mr frank what's up you know um <laughs> but I, I think fortunately they all know you know back of house i'm still frank Adler <laughs> at, at the at the end of the day so we'll stick with it i i think that's how i first heard about you was uh, of course you know through armand and uh talking about mr frank and then uh, you know, and then through all those channels, I, I found out about the uh, Bazong podcast, which I mean, and, and as you brought it up, I mean, 
Yeah, and that show is uh, is no more. That's been has it been a year now already? Almost, yeah. I shut it down in in January of of twenty twenty two. Yeah, so it's been close to a year. Um, I, I I stopped doing it just because the you know I was at the core of what I was doing. I was trying to promote this bizarro fiction, just weird fiction in general. Um, and it it sort of got to the point where I I just didn't feel like the the market for the genre was there i felt like a lot of people had abandoned it for various reasons and i um this was also at the time where this godless platform was launching and i found myself interviewing more of these extreme horror people and and like making excuses for like yeah oh yeah it's weird because it's over the top when Mm -hmm. it really wasn't truly um what i had set out to do with the podcast and i felt like the core um tenant of what i was trying to do was was kind of not there market wise or or community wise anymore and i just felt like you know what this is six years now that's a long damn time for a podcast as you know because you've been doing stamp chapter for quite a while have you hit six years you got to be pretty close to that Uh, this is my i mean in in my fifth year of doing it yeah and uh yeah coming up on on starting six uh, it's next year that's a long road you know yeah um so it just everything sort of lined up and was telling me like let's let's uh let's end it here let's end it here while it's still good um and i i kind of went out you know like this is not this is the end of road for bazong but i will probably return at some point to do some kind of show a podcast a youtube thing something um Mm -hmm. but i can tell you since january i've definitely been (laughs) enjoying my retirement from podcasting (laughs) um for as you know just just we talked off the air about uh, you know scheduling and trying to get you know your schedule in line with other people's schedule it's not the easiest thing and that was always one of the biggest hurdles. You know, I thought doing a one man show interviews were like super simple. But um, yeah, just just kind of getting everybody on board and, and getting times and everybody's busy lives to sit down for an hour and do something is uh, it's a challenge. So, yeah, there was a lot of reasons. And I just felt like let's, you know, while I still enjoy podcasting and stuff, let's just end this one uh, now. And and I've been able to I'm happy, like because I've been able to focus on my writing that much more and i think that shows a lot in the in the almost year i've been away from podcasting yeah well that and that's cool then that uh yeah you, you ended it on your terms and uh and then you were able to move forward with uh, with what's making you happy and that's that's good so and i mean and i can say with all honesty i was a fan of the show i loved hearing your interviews and uh checking out some of these crazy books that uh, with people that you would interview and and uh, it was a, it was definitely it was unique. There was nothing else like it that I found on <clears throat> in the uh, podcast land. And uh, but uh, yeah, it was it was sad to uh, to see it go. I and I, I think it, you uh, kind of surprised us, didn't you? You kind of like, well, this is the last one. And uh, um, well, yeah, and I don't know. Maybe I gave it a month or so, sort of notice. Like this is okay. I'm gonna yeah. It, it wasn't you know it wasn't like eh, this is the last show done. I did go out with a bang. I did um. <laughs> I've been watching um, at the time there was a, a show they would stream on YouTube and they were using this service called StreamYard and it was a really cool like live broadcasting thing that would live broadcast into YouTube onto Facebook live if you wanted to and you could bring people in and out a lot like Zoom mm-hmm. uh, 
but a little more f made to do these live streams for YouTube platforms uh, and, and Facebook specifically. So yeah. I really like that concept. And I'm like, this is how I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, it's going to be a, I'm going to set it up on a Saturday in January. It was very close to, I think it was just a few days after like the birthday of, of Bazong, the six year anniversary. Um, but I needed a Saturday. I needed to <laughs> clear the schedule and I'm like, I'm going on live at whatever. I don't know if it was noon, but it was sometime in the afternoon. And I'm like, we're just going, man. I got, you know, <laughs> I think they give you like eight hours. You can podcast. I don't know if I went that long, but <laughs> I went a while. I went a little too long because by the end and the recordings there, I was plastered because <laughs> I've been drinking all afternoon uh, <laughs> and I had, uh, so I went out with a bang and I was just like, I'm going to do this thing and anybody can, here's the link and you can come in and we can all chat. You know, I wanted anybody who'd been on the show, enjoyed the show. You know, if you hadn't gotten on the show, this is your last opportunity. Just anybody and everybody pop in and let's just all celebrate this thing that, you know, we've all been doing because I never felt like it was me. I always felt like it was a, you know, the zongers, as I call them, you know, just a big group of people that love this kind of stuff. And I just wanted to have a party and that's what I did. And, and we had this great live stream full of glitches. I, you know, it was like too much for my little laptop to take at times when I had too many people on. Um, thank God. And, and God rest his soul. Jay Wilburn was in and he was like, when my computer would go down, he like held down the fort on the live stream and was kind of <laughs> interviewing until I got back on and everything. Um, and it was really a good time, even though I got sloppy drunk. At the end. <laughs> um, it was, uh, it was, I went out with a bang. That's for sure. I could say that much. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, man. And yeah, I mean, you know, I, I haven't even been able to, uh, to talk about, uh, Jay, uh, since it happened other than making a few posts online, but, uh, you know, I, for anybody that's been following the show, you know, about, uh, uh, old guest uh previous guest of the show jay wilburn and uh, a longtime friend with uh, frank edler and and uh, everybody within that mondo world and uh, he passed away a month ago and uh, very sad and uh and, and you guys were yeah i mean you, they had the the last bazong and then weren't you on his show as well getting to talk about it soon after i had done he had done after bazong ended he he would write for uh lit reactor do articles yeah. And um, a few months after Bazong ended, I don't remember how long, but at some point he was like, I, I pitched this art article for Lit Reactor about the the legacy that Bazong left behind. I'm like, really, you did that? <laughs> and he was like, well, you know, I needed ideas. I threw anything out. He's always, you know, good to rib on you and stuff. Um, but the, you know, they greenlit the article for him. So he wanted to do um, instead of like his usual, just sort of email interview or whatever. Um, he just wanted to like do a zoom meeting a recording um, because he was also doing his Twitch channel and stuff and putting up YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, we got together on zoom one evening and and just sort of talked it out about, you know, any, any, all the questions he had about the song and you know, how I kind of like all put it all into perspective, you know, that I had a, a couple of months or weeks or whatever it was at that point to, to kind of look back and kind of give my take on it all. Um, and that's I thought that was really interesting because that's that's one of the you know when when Jay passed and and people were giving their their tributes, the thing you always heard was like he's the biggest supporter of it didn't matter who you were is if you were a writer like you were you were his brother you were his sister uh, you were family he he would just do everything he could to promote whoever and how many ever people it was possible for him to do, um so like with Jay. 
he was never the biggest fan of bizarro you know (laughs) didn't write much of it at all i think i forced him to do it once um (laughs) and but but he wanted to write this article he was really well informed about the show obviously he had uh, you know watched several episodes i mean he knew all about it so you know and again just kind of he thought about Bazong in a way I hadn't. Like I was blown away that he would do this perspective. Like I, I hadn't even. It's this silly show, but to you know, the truth of the matter was looking back on it, as I did this show that really nobody else had done for for that genre, that bizarro, that weird fiction thing. So uh, you know, it was kind of like, geez, Jay, I guess I guess you are right. It's a little more important um, than I kind of like you know just <laughs> cavalier about it. <laughs> And then he said, he said, even too, like he picked up on the thing. I was always hesitant on Bazong to be very self-promotional. Like I always felt like, uh, like Jay, like this is the, the person I'm interviewing. It's their time to promote their so This show is not about me. It's about, you know, promoting people who don't have that voice, that platform. Uh, you know, not everybody, Stephen King. And this is the opportunity for this little guy to get on a, a bigger platform and shout about their books. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was really, uh, from time to time i would run a promo or just like hey i had a new book out check that out too but you know i just really downplayed a- any of my stuff and he was in that uh, introspective he was like you should have promoted yourself more and i'm like why <laughs> like it wasn't for that he, like he thought that was like to my detriment i was i was surprised by that but um it was also like wow i had jay's blessing on that i wish he would have said that sooner because i really would have <laughs> went down on promoting my books had that been the case but um yeah that was that type of thing was jay jay wilburn all over i mean he was just champion for everybody yeah he he was somebody special that's for sure i'd I'd love getting to have him on the show and you know once again i mean you know armand i met him through the armand and like the first time armand had come on the show they were discussing or he was discussing his book with Jay that they'd written together and a uh, yard full of bones. <clears throat> and then, uh, so down the road, I got to have Jay on the show and, and talk about one of his books. And then uh, a year ago when I was promoting one of my new ones, uh, he reached out to me and was like, Hey, why don't you come on the show? And I was like, Oh my gosh, really? really? Like that's, that's cool. So I, yeah, that, that was really neat to get to go on his show and talk on uh, matters of faith and, uh, that was my first time on a show like his where it was <clears throat> it was both live and being streamed so like the, he's taking questions and people are asking like hey what kind of cigar are you smoking and <laughs> different stuff like that i was like oh, oh okay yeah like and that was yeah he, he was and he was just so likable and and friendly and uh even though i didn't get to know him the way you did i mean you got to go to events with him right and, and book signings yeah i mean i had uh anytime we were at scares of care he was there um you know at the conclusion of the day typically we'd always like you said the, the armand group would always go out to dinner somewhere and and you know that happened just this past summer um where jay was up there and his wife had gotten sick with covid so uh, armand wasn't even essentially intending to go to scares of care this past summer but you know jay needed a ride because he couldn't at that point with his with his health he couldn't drive himself especially not that far from from georgia I'm sorry, from South Carolina. And uh, so Armand agreed to come pick him up and, and just spend the weekend, be a surrogate wife for the weekend. Um, and, you know, Armand just sat at his table. He wasn't doing his thing, but Jay had a phenomenal weekend selling books and everything. 
And, uh, you know, we went out to dinner and going out to dinner, having that personal time with Jay every time for, for years mm. were some of the most memorable meals I've had with, with friends and family. Um, just to, to <laughs> doubled over laughter, you know, the whole restaurant looking <laughs> at you because Jay's just, Jay is so straight in his humor, <laughs> you <laughs> bastard. He was like, you know, just he was very unique in his in his humor and um wry and he could just get the whole table rolling and you could see he just have that little smirk he would never break or i'm the kind of guy that just laughs at my own jokes and, and cracks up with everybody else <laughs> jay would just like the best he'd give you is a smirk like knowing i got them all going um and he wouldn't let up and that was including this past summer when we were out to dinner uh, just rolling and just Jay being Jay, the sort of Jay you didn't see, like the public persona. Um, and man, <laughs> you got it. And um, all I can say is like, you know, Armand wasn't supposed to be there. And uh, uh, myself and JC Walsh were there. And it, it just, you know, in hindsight, I was like, like, thank God Armand came and we had that, like, little did we know the final time um but uh yeah i'm definitely going to cherish that last one yeah yeah oh man yeah it's anybody that even just knew him for just online i think he's definitely uh made things it's it's made things a little bit darker without him so it's uh glad to have had him in and uh you know sorry that uh, for your loss man yeah yeah i mean he was a loss to a lot of people i think i'll tell you what when uh when word of his passing spread on on facebook social media i I don't think i've seen any writer (laughs) um have that much outpouring from such a wide swath of 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 the community of people yeah his his name was trending for a while his name was trending i saw people going i don't know who this jay wilburn was he was i wasn't aware of him but damn he must have been somebody special and like to see to see that much of a reaction was like oh I, I just i know jay saw it so yeah oh man that's so awesome <clears throat> well look let's uh let's turn things around in a different direction here and we'll uh talk about this latest book this little ode to chuck e cheese <laughs> i'm not sure what uh what this is tell us about this new book <laughs> <laughs> this new book um this is, I mentioned, I, I wrote two books with the intention of, of selling to indie publishers to work with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the second one to uh, Hamburger House. I think I actually, did I write it first? I don't remember what order it, it went in. I, I think, I think I wrote this one first. Um, uh, also DNT publishing picked it up, um, but they're going to do this one traditionally and it's out right now. If it's the 18th of, uh, of november then it's out on amazon paperback everywhere in the world um if it's not the 18th well it's available on the godless.com platform at the moment and will be after the 18th as well um so yeah i I sat down to write again a book with a little bit more broader appeal that might appeal to a publisher who's (laughs) willing to take something just a little bit different but not normally my wacky zany stuff Uh, i failed a little bit more in that department on this like haunted hamburger house is the, like the most normal thing i've ever written um reggie rat starts out normal and then goes off the rails into my usual <laughs> Fred kedler territory um but to dnt credit they they picked it up they do enjoy a crazy book 
So what uh, what I did with this book is as a as you might know, as a horror author, dark author, a dark fiction author, you, you inevitably get the question like, well, what scares you? Right. That's a standard sort of question for any kind of horror author. And I never really had a good answer for them. Like, I'm I'm a grown man. Like, nothing scares me. I'm not scared of the monster in the closet under the bed falling from heights. I just won't climb a ladder, anything like that. Um, but that question would like ruminate on me for some reason. And it occurred to me one day that there are two things that I am scared of, frightened of, absolutely legitimately frightened of them. The first thing is um, kidney stones. I've seen some, <laughs> I've never experienced them myself, but I've seen people go through trying to pass one of those things to me. I've seen a woman give birth to a child several times. I think I would rather give birth to a child than, than try to pass a candy stone. It looks like the worst, most uncomfortable, unpleasant, painful. I've never seen pain on a person's face until I've seen somebody. It's like unmistakable. Like now I've seen enough where I'm like, you have kidney stones, don't you? Because they're just and then they want to like just hit you in the head, but they can't because they're just in so much pain. They can't do anything. Um, it, it looks terrifying. And I never want to have one to the tune of I, I, I had to like, you know, I did all the research. I'm like, how do I not get these things? And they're, you know, don't drink soda. I'm like, no problem. No more soda. And I've like tried to change, adjust my diet so that I make myself as least susceptible to them, susceptible to them as possible i do not want to deal i am frightened shitless of getting kidney stones i hope i never do uh so far so good and the other thing that frightens the hell out of me are birthday parties at chuck e cheese (laughs) (laughs) i uh I, i have three children they're all past thank god chuck e cheese birthday party age um but i had to go through three children worth of chuck e cheese birthday parties now um they may hate me later on in life because you would never let us have a birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese. You're damn right because I love you and I cherish you as my children and I want you to be safe. So you were never going to have a birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese, but they have friends uh, who have parents that probably, you know, just don't care about their children. So they do have birthday parties at Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> the place disgusts me. If there's never been a clean one into I've, I've been inside of. Just the fact that you when you walk in the door in the foyer area before you actually get into Chuck E. Cheese proper, there's always a sign that says no firearms with a little pistol with a you know a, the circle and a, and a cross to it. I'm like, yeah. why is that here? There's yeah. these are not in McDonald's. These are not in Disney World. Why is every Chuck E. Cheese have a no firearms sign? What is going? What happened? So that's the first frightening thing. And then just they have this whole like protocol, like stamping your kid's hand with like, you know, security, like invisible ink. And they're supposed to match it up to you. But I've seen enough of that. We're like, these are teenagers running this place and they don't care whether you who you run out with and everything is lax. Then you get right down to the the old nitty gritty of Mr. Chuck E. Cheese himself. And of course, he's a rat. Like, it doesn't make sense. Why would you have a rat? This is a pizza place. It's essentially a pizza place arcade. <laughs> Your mascot is a rat, like the most foulest animal that, you know, typically you hire exterminator to take care of. And this is guys it's front and center of the house. That's a fair um, question. Yeah. And then on top of, you know, there's a bazillion disgusting, sweaty, nasty children running around this place day after day, hours on end in ball pits, slides, with 
poopy diapers and got, you know, booger hands and everything. And it's just all over the balls and the ball pit and the slides and just any little rocking vehicle and joystick on the video game. Like it's just a nasty, disgusting place. And I think one of the last ones I was at, I just, I had been so done. It was the, my youngest kid, probably the last or next to last <laughs> birthday party that I ultimately attended at Chuck E. Cheese. And I was just so disgusted by going there, having to deal with this stuff. And, and I turned to my wife and I said, you know what? If, if hell was on earth, Chuck E. Cheese would be one floor below the basement. I'm like, this place is disgusting. And I just, I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. I'm fearful. I, I cringe when I think of like those ball pits and just all the grubby little hands and everything. So that is the second thing I'm afraid, afraid of Chuck E. Cheese birthday parties. And of course, kidney stones. Um, so I said to myself, if, if those are the thing, you know, the things as me as a horror writer, I'm af- af- afraid of legitimately, well, then I should write a book about Chuck E. Cheese and, and kidney stones. Um, and that came out to be Reggie Rat's birthday fun center and same day outpatient care facility. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the way my mind works. Oh my gosh. What a crazy name. <clears throat> and, and you know, and that's so cool. And, and of course, since we're hearing from this book today, I get to put that on the title of, of this episode. So that's going to be a lot of fun to mm-hmm. make sure I have that. Thank goodness for copy and paste. So I only have to write it one time, hopefully. So. <laughs> well, as much as I, you know, wanted to, you know, for my own purposes, work with a, a with, with a publisher on this one, I also said, I'm, I'm challenging whoever picks this up to fit that whole title on the cover of a book and DNT publishing, God bless them. They made it happen. They did it good. Yeah. Yeah. And it fits right in there perfectly. So <laughs> <laughs> just barely. You might have to spin. <laughs> oh my gosh. So the story is it uh pretty much self-evident with the uh, with the title? Is that uh, what we can expect? It's it's fairly, yeah, it's it's definitely a father and a son. Uh go to a birthday party at Reggie Rats, you know, don't <laughs> infringe on any cap rights. Um <laughs> They go to Reggie Rat's uh, birthday. Dad is suffering from kidney stones while trying to have, you know, let his son have a time of his life. Um, and that's that's where it is. And, uh, you know, kidney stones, there's a same day outpatient care facility somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, that is so cool. And that comes out the 18th, you said. That is available the 18th in ebook and paperback and all that fun stuff on Amazon and of course, godless.com. Keep plugging them too. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely have the, uh, the link up for that. So everybody can uh, grab that right away. What, uh, what are you working on now? Right now I'm working on, I'm making a half hearted, maybe even quarter hearted attempt at NaNoWriMo. Um, hmm. I, I, I never done it before. And I don't even going into it this this year, I didn't really believe I could accomplish 50,000 words. But really what I needed was like a sort of bump on my word count for the year. Um, So I'm going into NaNoWriMo working on this thing that has I've been kind of working on it here and there all year long and spinning my wheels on it. So I figured I'd use Nano as a sort of fresh start at it again. Um, And it's called Cupid is Dead. And um, it's about a guy who basically gets cupid's cursed heart because cupid can't stand being cupid anymore <laughs> it's like uh i'm trying to write like a valentine's day story 
Oh my gosh. Kind of ties right in there with some of your, uh, uh, you, you got a little bit of a theme where you have some of your other books, like the death books and such. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I have this like sort of occupational horror. Thing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a, there's a couple of guys who still have uh, full-time jobs. I think, uh, I can, I can relate to that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I hope for. We can all, we can all feel a little bit of that in, in the books, <laughs> frustrations of work. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. Well, where, uh, where can people find and follow you, Frank? Um, I do have now frankedler.com open and, and ready. You can, you can purchase signed books for me directly from there. That's like a, a thing people are into lately. Uh, so you can go right there, do that. My blog is, is available there. And, uh, different things of course i'm on facebook i'm on instagram i'm on twitter and um lately i've been enjoying the wormhole it is tiktok so i'm on tiktok <laughs> as well awesome all right well we'll definitely like i said we'll have the the links to all that and uh the links for the new book and the uh, show notes everyone so you know where to go Frank, man, thanks for uh, coming on, man. It's been a blast catching up with you. And uh, gosh, I, I just wish you all the best. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on again. Um, I always love coming on this show and and just uh, talking with you as much as I love uh, you giving me the opportunity to read a sample chapter of my book. <laughs> the pleasure is all mine. All right, ladies and gentlemen, time for me to grab a drink and a cigar and sit back to uh, hear a little sample from our guest, Frank Edler with Reggie Rats birthday fund center and same day outpatient care facility. Oh. You nailed it, my friend, you nailed it. So yeah, this is uh, where I've started out with my previous books on this show with chapter one, I've decided to step a little further into the action uh, this time around with Reggie Rats birthday fund center and same day outpatient care facility. Uh, so this chapter takes place right when uh, the father and his son basically get to Reggie Rats and, and the party's about to begin. So here it is. This is chapter eight from Reggie Rats birthday fund center and same day outpatient care facility. Party hardy, Mr. Smarty. Ichabod found the area of tables reserved for Christopher's party. Christopher was there a few moments ahead of Ichabod and his dad. Ichabod ran up to Christopher and handed him his present with excited eyes. Christopher and his parents pepped up when their first guest arrived. Christopher's mother took the present and placed it in a giant garbage bag on the floor. She nodded politely to Mortimer and thanked him for coming. She invited Ichabod to take a seat next to Christopher. That made Ichabod's day. Any concerns he had about the birthday party were forgotten. He was all smiles now. Christopher's father, who Mortimer had not yet met, approached Mortimer and offered him a handshake and a welcoming pat on the shoulder. Hey, thanks for coming. I'm Christopher's dad, Gabe. Hey, Gabe, Mortimer said, grabbing hold of Gabe's hand. I'm Mortimer, Ichabod's dad. Morty, all right. Mortimer didn't like it when people assumed it was okay to call him Morty like they've been pals forever. He introduced himself as Mortimer. What's so hard about saying Mortimer? Mortimer ground his teeth into an uncomfortable smile. Gaby, he said. Gabe chuckled, unimpressed with the nickname he was given in return. Right, right. Well, hang out. Everybody else will be here soon. Another guest arrived to save them both from the uncomfortable small talk that was about to ensue now that they knew that they didn't like one another. 
Gabe excused himself to greet the newcomers. Mortimer stood behind his son's chair. I get to sit next to Christopher, Ichabod said, as if he won an award. That's awesome, Ick, Mortimer said, continuing with the theme of nicknames. It didn't take long for the, all the guests to arrive. Soon the tables for Christopher's party were filled with kids ready for the party of the century. Mortimer felt the urge to pee rise above the undercurrent of constant uncomfortable pain he'd been experiencing all day. He told Ichabod he was going to run to the bathroom and stick with Christopher until he got back. Mortimer found a hallway with the word restrooms painted on the corridor. He wound through the throngs of children and parents to get to the bathroom. The hall was long with a bunch of doors on both sides. One said backstage employees only. Another said kitchen staff only. There were a few more that weren't marked, but were probably storage closets or small offices, the hall. Mortimer felt weird entering a room marked boys. It made him feel like a kid toucher or something, but it wasn't as if there were any doors marked men. As he pushed the door open, a quick, sharp pain stabbed his side. He wanted to cry. Maybe he was a boy. Mort hobbled over to the urinal. The pain went from a stab to a throb. He hoped it only meant he had to pee. There was urgency in his bladder, but the piss wouldn't come. He tried to push, but that intensified the discomfort in his side. Mortimer prayed a prayer to the God he infrequently spoke to and asked for sweet relief. God seemed to be busy with other worshipers who were thoughtful enough to speak with him on a more regular basis. His prayers were lost in a long queue. He felt the tip of his dick burn as if the piss were right there, too afraid to jump. He tried relaxing everything, a drip out and tapped the plastic basket in the urinal that once contained the pleasant smelling deodorizer, which has dissolved long ago, a drop. It was a start. Mortimer tried to relax even more. He couldn't feel the sensation of pee all the way up inside himself, but still he could not empty his bladder. He wanted to zip up and admit defeat, but he felt like he'd put a lot of effort into this and he didn't want it to go to waste. Mort stood there for far too long. If he waited for the piss to come much longer, everyone would think he was slinked away to drop a deuce. He didn't want his son's friends, parents, thinking he was the kind of dad that would poop in a seedy joint like Reggie Rats. That would be uncivilized. The only people who defecated in a bathroom like this were derelicts and hobos. Why didn't Reggie Rat have a no hobo sign in the foyer? Mortimer could only assume management encouraged bums to come in, take dumps in their restrooms if that was the case. The piss started to flow, slow, but with mercy. It didn't bring relief. To more, it felt as if someone half opened the valve, and there was a strong, pungent smell to the piss as well. Maybe this was some kind of urinary tract infection. It would make sense. He'd had them before. Some hot pee, difficult going, and lasted a day or so. Never with this much pain accompanying it, but maybe that was part of getting old. At least he had the self-diagnosis now. He could get some antibiotics from the doctor and be right as rain. Mort zipped up and flushed. He scrunched his nose at the foul smell from his pee. It was kind of awful, like something was dead in his groin. He washed up and returned to the party before anyone could accuse him of evacuating his bowels. Mortimer noted at least five other birthday parties were taking place. It made the place feel like a birthday party sweatshop. This place ground him out like a factory. 
he couldn't imagine a parent not loving their child to do to, to such a degree that they would give them a birthday party as soulless as Reggie Rat's party. Music began to play over the PA system. It was fun music, too fun, in fact. It was Muzak on Prozac. A Reggie Rat's employee took the stage in front of the simultaneous birthday parties. She was dressed in clothes that looked just like Reggie Rat's, except they were human-sized. She looked ridiculous. She also looked like she knew she looked ridiculous. Hey, gang, I'm Jessica, your party hostess with the mostest. Do you know what time it is? She asked. Mortimer could tell she was supposed to deliver that opening with great deal of enthusiasm and mystery to pique everybody's interest. The girl delivered the line like she was in a bad third grade presentation of Xanadu. I can't hear you, Jessica said. She heard everyone, but she had to say this disingenuous line anyway. Corporate policy. It's time for the birthday party. Jessica waited for the applause and cheer that never came. And who are we here celebrating today? About a hundred kids all yelled out six different names at the same time. Well, that must have made each of the birthday kids feel super special. Jessica, the party hostess, jumped off the stage and approached Christopher. Hey there, Mr. Birthday Boy. She knew he was the birthday boy because he was marked with an oversized inflatable yellow, blue, and red birthday crown. The same as the trademark colors of Reggie Rat's signature beanie. Hi, Christopher said, embarrassed by the intention. It's not a birthday party until a certain someone comes to the celebration. Do you know who that certain someone is, birthday boy? Reggie Rat, Christopher asked, unsure if it was the correct answer. That's right. Let's get Reggie Rat out here to celebrate. Time to party hardy, Mr. Smarty, Jessica exclaimed more to the room than Christopher himself. Jessica bopped Christopher on his crown pushing it down over his face. Everyone had a great laugh over the birthday prank. Everyone except Christopher. Oh, man. All right. That was Frank Edler reading a sample from his latest book. Coming up November 18th, it is Reggie Rat's Birthday Fun Center and Same Day Outpatient Care Facility. Hit that link in the show notes to uh, find Frank and uh, to find the book so you can get it ordered right away. And uh, and make sure you check out all of Frank's other links in there to uh, follow him. Uh, Lastly, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out next time when I'm back with a brand new author, an all new book, and a new sample chapter. Take care, everybody. Hope you're doing well. Talk to you soon.